You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today we are in week number five of a series that we're calling Truly Free. And our theme verse is John 8, 36, where Jesus says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. And let me just tell you my simple goal during this series is to remind you that this is the life that God wants you to live. God wants you to live a life that can only be described as truly free. In fact, this is the life that God paid for you to experience. In fact, listen to this in Galatians chapter four, verse four and five, it says, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman, subject to the law, and God sent him, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. I want you to realize, church, that Jesus not only came so that you could go to heaven one day, that Jesus came so that you could experience freedom right now. So in this series, I am begging you to not settle for anything less than the life that God paid for you to have. I'm asking you to not settle for a life that isn't just sort of of free. I'm asking you to say, no, I want the life that can only be described as truly free. And this week, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, I wanna talk to you about this message I've entitled, The Freedom Found in forgiveness. Oh yeah, we are going there today, people. We are talking about forgiveness, the freedom found in forgiveness. There's no way that we can do a freedom series and not talk about forgiveness. And before I say anything, I do want to recognize that this is a very hard subject for a lot of people. Like we live in a world that actually struggles hardcore with even the idea of forgiveness. We live in a world where things like offense and anger, bitterness, unforgiveness are literally at an all-time high. We live in a world where the social norm when somebody hurts you and offends you is to cancel them, not forgive them. We live in a world where even teaching on forgiveness could be seen as a form of victim shaming. To say, like, man, let people off the hook. They've, they've already been hurt enough. Why are now you bringing this back up and trying to get, why, why is it on them now to be able to forgive? I promise you that that's not what's happening, but we live in a world that struggles so much with even the idea of forgiveness. In fact, uh, there's an author for the New York Times by the name of Elizabeth Bruning, and recently she wrote this. This is in the New York Times. I see an American culture where people are offended by the very idea of forgiveness itself. They seem to find it immoral, and I find that very disturbing. But I think that for many of us, we struggle with the idea of forgiveness because often we think it's something that it's really not. So before we talk about what literally biblical forgiveness is, Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Four very quick things. Number one, forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of what happened. You need to know that. You need to know that when we're talking about forgiveness, in no way, shape, or form 
Are we minimizing the seriousness of what has happened to you? Because the truth is, is that some of you are here and you've experienced some very real, some very serious hurt and pain, heartbreak, disappointment, rejection, betrayal, deception, abandonment, and abuse. Like, listen, you need to understand that forgiveness is not saying that what happened is okay because it's not okay. It wasn't okay when it happened. It's not okay now. It will never be okay. So hear me loud and clear. Forgiveness is not sweeping everything under the emotional rug and just minimizing the seriousness of what's happened. That's not forgiveness. Number two, you need to know that forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just forgetting like you got some little long-term amnesia on a certain topic. It's not forgetting what happened. How many of you have ever heard of the phrase that you often hear in culture, forgive and forget? Anybody ever heard of that phrase, forgive and forget? Like that's nowhere in the Bible because God never asked you to forgive and forget. Listen, God doesn't even do that. Let me show you. In Hebrews chapter eight, verse 12, this is God talking, and he says, and I will forgive their wickedness. That's our sins. That's what he did through Jesus. And I will never again remember their sins. It doesn't say that he forgets our sins. It says he chooses not to remember our sins. That's a big difference because forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Number three is that forgiveness is not abandoning justice. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not abandoning justice, but I think so many times we feel like we have to choose between forgiveness and justice. We feel like in order for us to forgive, we have to abandon justice. Like forgiveness is somehow a get out of jail free card that just removes all consequences. But I want you to think about it this way, church. I, I know we're like five minutes in, and we are so deep right now, it is so much fun for me. <laughs> but I want you to think of it this way. Like forgiveness, if you think about it, forgiveness is actually a prerequisite for justice. Because if you think about it, the point of true justice is not just that the person gets held accountable and faces consequences but also that the person changes as a result of being held accountable and facing those consequences. And if that's not what you're going for, hear me, you're not really pursuing justice. Let me put it this way, that the pursuit of justice without forgiveness is not justice, it's revenge. And I think it's very important for us to realize that true justice it actually involves forgiveness because to pursue it without it, it's not even justice. It's really revenge, it's vengeance. So number four, the last thing that forgiveness is not is that forgiveness is not reconciliation. So let me put it this way, that forgiveness is not making it right with the other person. So what I am not saying today is that, hey, that person that hurts you, the goal of forgiveness is that you have to all of a sudden be relationally right with that person. 
and relationship needs to be restored. Because listen, reconciliation takes both people. It is a two-player game. But forgiveness is a one-player game. It just takes you. It's something that you decide regardless of what the other person does. And the truth is, is that you and I often, we cannot control if reconciliation happens. Like that's not within your control. However, forgiveness is 100% within your control. And the truth is, if you require reconciliation to happen for you to experience forgiveness, then you are holding yourself hostage to the person who hurts you. They, not you, determine how free you get. See, forgiveness is not reconciliation. So those are all the things that forgiveness is not. So the question is, so what actually is forgiveness? There's all types of definitions. There's all types of ways that I could describe this. But, but this week, I actually came across a phenomenal resource. It is a book by the late, great Tim Keller, and who is, a, who is a, just a legend in the faith who actually passed away over the past year. And uh, he has just made a massive impact on my life. And one of the last books that he wrote is this book called Forgive, which I highly recommend uh, if this is a topic that you wanna learn more about, dive deeper in. But listen to this quote. Listen to how he defines forgiveness. He says that forgiveness is inwardly, so it's inwardly, giving up the desire to get even. To forgive is to give the perpetrator a gift that they do not in any way deserve. In love, you are absorbing the debt they owe you. The debt doesn't miraculously go away. You actually absorb it. And here, you are truly walking in Christ's footsteps. He even says later in his book that the the most like Christ that we ever are is when we actually forgive somebody. And he says, forgiveness is always a voluntary form of suffering that brings about a greater good. He says that is forgiveness. And listen, church, the Bible is very clear that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to do that. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've made the decision to receive the free gift of grace and then in return give him your life and that great exchange happened, then you are called to be a person who forgives. Let me show you in the Bible a couple verses. Ephesians chapter four, verse 31 through 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. But then he takes it up a whole nother notch when he says, forgive just as in Christ. God forgave you. He's saying, you remember what God did through Jesus? That's how you should forgive somebody else who hurt you. Colossians chapter three, verse 13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But can we be honest today in church? Because how many of you know that doing that is so hard, right? 
Like, just show of hands, how many of you have ever had a hard time forgiving someone else? Come on, group therapy session right now. Come on, if you've ever had a hard time forgiving someone, I know I have. So many of us have had a really hard time forgiving someone who has hurt us. The truth is, this stuff is so much easier to amen in church than it is to live out in our day-to-day lives. See, I am convinced that one of the hardest things for us to do, breathing on planet Earth, is to forgive someone who's truly hurt us. I believe it is one of the hardest things for us to do. I've ran three marathons. I've started a church in a city that I didn't know anybody. I'll tell you more about that next week. We led that church through a two-year pandemic, which was crazy. I've seen my wife give natural birth, and I am convinced that forgiving is harder than all that. (laughs) Forgiving someone who has hurt you is one of the hardest things. It is so much easier, guys, not to forgive. But it is so important that we do. It is so important that we follow in the footsteps of Jesus and make the decision, man, I'm gonna be someone who forgives and here's why. And it's the big idea of today. Here's what I want you to see today. Here's one of the things that I want you to walk away with, and that is that your freedom is directly connected to your ability to forgive. We are in this series called Truly Free, and I'm telling you, you will never be truly free until you learn to truly forgive. Your freedom is directly connected to your ability to forgive. Let me show you in God's word. Matthew chapter 18, I think, is the best teaching in the Bible on forgiveness. And it's Jesus talking, and and he actually tells us to forgive. And here's how it starts. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21, it says, then Peter, who is one of the most famous disciples, it's the same guy who walked on water. It's the same guy who, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote part of the Bible, that Peter, says, Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And I'm sure in pride, he says, seven times. Because at the time, the Jewish teaching was that you were to forgive three times. And so he comes and he says, hey, Jesus, I know that what we were taught was three times. But how many do you say, because I think he picked up by this point that he was changing everything (laughs) that they knew. And he says, Jesus, should I forgive somebody seven times? And if you ask me, I think you're a pretty good human if you forgive the same person who hurts you for seven times. I don't know if I could do that. And he says seven times, but listen to what Jesus' response is. He says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And for my mathematically challenged people in here, that's 490. So 490 times Jesus says that you should forgive. And my question is, why did Jesus answer like that? Like, does he literally mean that we should forgive someone 490 times? Well, every theologian, every commentary that I studied all week, all agree that Jesus, that he wasn't speaking literally. He wasn't saying like, you better forgive for 490 times, 
But on number 491, oh, come on, let her rip. Like, give it to him. Hold nothing back. You let him have it. 490, no, peace, peace. But 491, that is my line. That is my line. That's not what he's saying. Here's what Jesus is saying in this text. He's saying when he, when he uses this, this crazy language, he says there should be no end to your forgiveness. He's saying that there should be no limits to the amount of forgiveness that you extend to other people. By the way, I believe that if you're keeping count, you're not really truly forgiving anybody anyway. And I think what he's saying is that like, no, like there should be no count. And the truth is some of you have been hurt so bad, you need to do it every single day. 490 isn't enough. It's, it's you, no, there should be no limit to how much you extend forgiveness to other people. Because when you choose to not do that, when you choose to not forgive, ultimately, it will destroy your life, not their life. And then Jesus explains this principle. Let me show you. Because right after Jesus says this, in Matthew chapter 18, he follows it up with a parable. Now, a parable is simply a story that is thrown alongside a truth so that you can better understand that truth. So Jesus says, no, you shouldn't forgive seven times. You should extend like unlimited forgiveness. And then he gives a parable to help you understand this. So Matthew chapter 18, starting verse 23, here's the parable. Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king, and that king represents God, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man, who by the way represents us, who owed him 10,000 bags of gold were brought to him. Now in the original Greek, maybe if you have a uh, more traditional version of the Bible, it says that he owed the king 10,000 talents. But that really doesn't mean much to us in 2023. But the people listening to Jesus tell this story, when they heard that number, they would have gasped. Because this would have been like such a ridiculous astronomical debt. Because one talent was the equivalent of 10 years of wages. So if that was today, and the average salary was $40,000, this would have been a four billion with a B, four billion dollar debt. So this guy comes and has this $4 billion debt. And Jesus, right away, he wants us to see that this was a debt that there was no possible way for this man to pay this debt back. Verse 25, it says, since he was not able to pay, shocker, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He's a liar. Because the truth is, there's no way that he could have. If this guy had lived 20 lifetimes, he could still never repay that debt. Then it says that the servant's master took pity on him. And here's a beautiful picture of forgiveness. Here it is. He took pity on him. He canceled the debt and let him go. That's the picture of forgiveness. I cancel the debt and I let you go. Cancel the debt and let him go. And by the way, let's make the connection. 
this is our story. Because our sin, all the ways that we fall short, all the ways that we miss the mark, all the ways that we make mistakes, listen, it creates an astronomical debt that we can never repay ourselves. And that debt actually breaks our relationship with God. But God, because he loves us so much, he paid the price of his one and only son, Jesus, who canceled our debt and forgave our sins once and for all. That's why Romans chapter six, verse 23, it says for the wages, let me put it this way, for the debt of our sin is death. But the gift of God, the forgiveness of God is eternal life when we don't deserve life because our sin, it actually deserves death. So how can he give us not just life, but life forever? Here's how, in Christ Jesus our Lord because he took what our punishment was. Church, smile. That's some good news. That's our story. But then look what happens next in Matthew chapter 18. In verse 28, he continues this parable and says, but when the servant went out, after he experienced that debt being completely wiped out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now in the original Greek, maybe your translation, it says that he owed him 100 denarii. And a denarius was the equivalent of wages from one day of work. So 100 denarii was 100 day wages, almost four months of what our paychecks would be. So if that was today and the average salary was $40,000, that would have been around eleven dollars to $12,000 debt. Now that's no chump change, right? Like that's some serious debt, but nothing compared to the $4 billion debt that was already forgiven. But I want you to look at this guy's response. It says that he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant, who by the way, did exactly what he did, he fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And I think that this right here, it actually points to a truth of humanity that we all lean towards and that we all desire this, that when we make a mistake, we want mercy. But when somebody else makes a mistake, we want justice. So mercy for me, justice for you. So mercy for me, I, like I know I make mistakes, but please give me mercy. But when you make a mistake, oh, you deserve justice. And I think that that's a truth that we see right here. And that's exactly what happened in this parable. It goes on to say the next verse in verse 31, that when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. And then Jesus 
ends this parable by saying this sobering statement in verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you forget, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now, here's what I want you to see, church. That just like this parable in Matthew chapter 18, don't miss this. Unforgiveness is a prison that takes away your freedom. Just like in Matthew 18, we can experience the same thing. Unforgiveness is a prison that takes away your freedom. And I hope that what I'm about to show you that you will never forget because Jesus says that this is what your life looks like when you don't forgive. Jesus says this right here is a description of your life when you are walking in unforgiveness. You are choosing to put yourself in a personal prison. And for some of you, this is what your life actually looks like right now behind the scenes. You stumbled into this nine o'clock service and nobody can see this. But right now, this is what your life looks like on the inside. Because somebody hurt you, but you still haven't forgiven. Your mom maybe disappointed you, but you haven't extended forgiveness. Your dad maybe abandoned you and was distant from you, but you still haven't forgiven. Maybe somebody who was supposed to love you abused you, but you still haven't been able to forgive. Maybe there's a friend that went behind your back and abandoned you, betrayed you. And the result is now this is what your life looks like. Maybe at your job, there was a boss that promised something and he didn't follow through. Or maybe there's a coworker that went behind your back and stabbed you in the back. And now this is what your life actually looks like as a result of that. Maybe somebody really went online and started saying some awful things about you. Maybe there's an ex that didn't treat you right, that didn't respect you, that cheated on you. And now you find yourself here, this, and get this. For some of you, this is what your soul looks like. I am stuck in this prison that I can't get. And it, it means that you're stuck. It means that you can't move on. The truth is like it's September, 2023, but some of you are stuck back in what happened in January. Some of you are stuck back in what happened in 2013. Some of you are stuck in 1999. Some of you are stuck in 1978. And day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, you're stuck in this prison of unforgiveness. And please hear me. If you call this church home, I don't want your life to look like this. 
I don't ever want your life to look like this. And trust me, I know that God doesn't want your life to look like this because living like this, living your life day after day like this in this personal prison of unforgiveness, it will destroy your life. It will destroy your relationships. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your friendships. It will destroy your career. It will destroy your business. It it will even destroy, get this, your emotional, mental, and physical health. In fact, Karen Schwartz, who is a director of mood disorders at John Hopkins Hospital, this is what she recently said. This isn't a pastor. This is somebody who works for a hospital. Says there is an enormous physical burden in being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Some of you are maybe in a, like a, a, I mean, your health is in this personal prison. And it's because of, there's unforgiveness. By the way, I love it when science catches up to what God's word said thousands of years ago. Like this unforgiveness, it will never destroy the other person's lives. It will only destroy your life. And I love you enough, church, to tell you the truth that you will never be free until you truly forgive because your freedom is directly connected to your ability to forgive. I hope that you never forget this. Your freedom is directly connected to your ability to forgive. But here's the good news that this doesn't have to be your life. Like this doesn't have to be what you live your life in every single day. Like you don't have to stay in this prison. You don't. Here's the good news. You can forgive. Some of you think that that's impossible. But let me just encourage you. I believe with all my heart, God would not put something in his word and ask us to do it if he didn't give us the ability to do it. You can forgive. You can get out of this personal prison of unforgiveness. And when you do, you can be finally free. So that practically, how do you do it? How do you forgive? Like, what do you do? Because I always, I don't wanna just stir this up on inside of you and be like, well, what do I do? Because what I'm doing is not working. I'm convinced, I know it's right, but I can't move on. I can't do it. Well, let me give you one very practical action step that absolutely changed my life and helped me get out of my personal prison of unforgiveness. But I do wanna warn you, nothing inside of you will will want to do this. You'll hear this and you'll be like, absolutely not. I will not do that. I do not want to do that. But trust me, it works. You ready? Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for the people that hurt you. Pray for the people that you need to forgive. Every single day, pray for them. Jesus said this in Luke chapter six, verses 27 and 28. But to you who are willing to listen, 
I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And some of you are like, absolutely not, Jesus. I, there's no way I can pray for them. Okay, fine. I'll pray for them. I pray that they experience every single curse and plague that's in the Bible. I pray that they experience, you even get spiritual and pray scripture over them. Like Psalm 3, 7. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. I'll pray that over them. Some of you just found your life verse. Like, that's my life verse. That's my next tattoo. Getting it. Print it out, put it on the fridge. I'll pray that. No, no, no. <laughs> that's not what Jesus is talking about. He says every single day, God, I pray. Like, I pray for that person. I ask God that you speak to them. I pray that they get closer to you today. And today, I bless them. I bless every area of their life, their family, their, their influence, their marriage, their job, their finances. Would you bless them today? And you do it every single day. And you do it the next day, and 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 the next day. And then all of a sudden, internally, you're not praying that through gritted teeth anymore. You're actually believing it, and you're meaning it. Until internally, you've canceled the debt and let them go. And then, you'll finally be free. The question is, how do you know when you've actually reached that? How do you know when you've actually forgiven let me give you this real fast and then we're gonna respond. Forgiveness is really extended when you commit to do three things. Three things, three things. I'm gonna go through this fast. You may not be able to write fast enough, but it's okay. Okay, you can take a picture at the end. Okay, forgiveness is really excited when you is, is really extended when you commit to do three things. I'm trying to help you here before we end. One, you're not bringing the matter up to that person. You're not holding them hostage the rest of their life for that mistake. You're not bringing it back up in conversations. You're not bringing it back up when you're not getting your way. So that's one way that you know. You're not bringing that matter up to that person. Second, you're not bringing the matter up to other people. By the way, that is gossip and that is sin. And when you do that, you are doing something just as offensive as whatever was done to you. So you know, man, I've, I've reached a level of forgiveness when I'm not bringing that matter up to other people. I'm not trying to bring division. I'm not trying to bring, you're on my side, or I'm trying to recruit people to my side to let everybody know I was wrong. And then third, this one's hardest. You're not bringing the matter up to yourself. And let me tell you, when you do this, constantly bringing the matter up to yourself that will result in bitterness it will how many of you have ever heard that that famous quote that says unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison then you expect the other person to be affected by that poison i heard a quote this week that said that like bitterness is unforgiveness fermented it's inside so how do you know? You're not bringing the matter up to that person, to other people, and to yourself. Now listen, I know that this is not easy. I know that everything I talked about for the last 40 minutes is not easy. 
Forgiveness is hard. This is varsity level things in following Jesus. It's hard. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is who God has called us to be. He has called us to be people who follow his example and extend forgiveness. That whenever you experience forgiveness, that when our debt that we could never pay has been canceled, then we in return extend that type of forgiveness to other people. And I know that that's not easy, but hear me today. Hear me today. Forgiveness is not always easy, but it is always right. Always. And please get this. Our freedom is dependent upon us doing this. And Jesus, he wants you to be truly free. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.